This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you're listening to another episode of the Crowncast. And it's a Wednesday Crowncast, but on Thursday. And it's a Thursday Crowncast that we thought was going to be recorded on Wednesday or maybe Tuesday. And time as a whole is false. So... What is going to happen today is I'm going to be joined by uh, my regular co-host, Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. And as ever, you can find Ewan at stillness underscore speed on Twitter. And Ewan, you and I are going to be doing a little bit of fun stuff. We have this new sort of direction that we're looking at taking some content. If you like this idea, please reach out, tell us, like, subscribe, all that stuff. But actually, this time, send a message. Be like, yeah, we want to see more of this. Because that helps us know that you like what we're doing. And we're going to do some scouting. So for uh, the regular listeners, you might have heard us reference that we have access to a program called Scout, And it is a professional scouting program that gives us all the same information anybody in the world has for scouting. Now... The big boys out there, they get to uh, put someone on a plane and send them to the physical location where that player is playing, and they get to watch that, uh, that player in person. We can't do that. But we do have the same video scouting tools as the pros. And here to uh, take a look at one Scott Arfield with me. Ewan, uh, you, you ready to, to dive into this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exciting player, exciting profile. So, yeah, a, a good first player to kind of try this with, I, uh, I believe. Yep, and uh, I believe, because we were just talking about it, news literally has broken today about this really becoming official and, and being done, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. First reports kind of coming out last week, and then today got the official announcement. So, uh, yeah, all uh, it's all lined up pretty nicely. It has. It has actually lined up quite nicely. So what we're going to be doing is we will try to talk you through what we are looking at in the future. You may see these as videos, uh, but for now, we're just going to be doing it as a podcast form and talking you through our thoughts. And Ewan is absolutely the best person to have uh, on this podcast because this is a guy who used to play for Rangers. And Ewan, if I rem- remember correctly, you love the Rangers. The Rangers are like one of your favorite teams, or was it you hate everything they've ever done? Uh, well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a Celtic. Well, I'm a Celtic supporter, Celtic follower um, mm-hmm. by uh, family association. I have family uh, who are Celtic fans, and anyone who knows about Scottish football knows that that is a uh, an intense rivalry. So. Uh, I'm yep. uh, I'm going to have to open uh, uh, open up my heart a little bit for uh, a Rangers player coming to Charlotte, but yeah, all it take all it'll take is uh, one good performance, and I'm sure it'll be fine. But yeah, I'll be watching these. Uh, this this is as positively as I'll watch Rangers uh, football probably what we're about to do now. So it's going to be an experience. That is fair, and we'll get some of your because you've seen this player sort of vaguely in action on and off throughout watching Celtic. We're going to go through the playlist and then we'll get sort of your opinions and reactions to who he is from what you've seen and what you know. Um, I think one of the best places to start, there's a playlist in this that's just best actions. And I will tell all of the listeners right now, what you are hearing is what we are seeing. We have, or I have uh, only looked at this really briefly. I don't know exactly what's in this. So we're learning as you're learning. We're going to go ahead and uh, get into the best actions playlist here. 
So um, you and these playlists tend to be like 20 or 30 clips long. And yeah. I'm excited to see what we've got. And I'm hoping that some of these are from, uh, well, this is against Liverpool, isn't it? <laughs> um, this is, um, no, this would be in uh, oh, no, Scottish League. Yeah. Livingston, yeah. yes. Yeah, he this, does have some highlights against Liverpool, which will probably be in this reel. But um, yeah, this is Livingston. This is um, away at Livingston. Yeah, away at Livingston. And these these cycle pretty quickly. Um, this is a guy, kind of a midfielder. I mean, he has to say kind of a midfielder. He is a midfielder. Kind of seems to me like a bit of a generalist. You know, yeah, 100%, 100%. This is, I mean, the versatility is going to be one of the big selling points uh, for Scott uh -huh. Arfield because... Yeah, go ahead. I was just, yeah, uh, the, the, the versatility, because if you think about Charlotte's squad currently, um, it's a lot of kind of specialist players. Like the closest thing we have is Bronico. Uh, to a uh, kind of utility player. Um, and even with him, uh, it's a case of people don't really think he's great in other positions, but he can kind of do them. Um, whereas with Arfield, he is a uh, someone who can fit into all kinds of roles. Like we're seeing here, um, he, these best right. actions, these, these, these aren't just goals, these are pressing actions, um, which will fit in anywhere in our team because of how aggressively we usually press. Um, you've seen that in the centre of the field there, through ball as well, can play through the centre, play out wide. Yeah, there's been a couple in a row here of him sort of just being in the right place to make a, you know, a cutout ball and just really smart defensive actions that transition quickly to attacks. Um, yeah, seems... that there was really nice as well. If we're able to just, would you be able to pause it just so we don't um, miss out on any of the further stuff? Um, because oh, yeah. what what we just what we just had was a um, was our field kind of noticing that a third man run was de uh, developing. Um and not selling it too hard as the man playing the pass for the third man run, but an obvious look to the man who's going to make that run, a call for the ball in the centre, and then without selling it too much with his body position, playing that ball first time perfectly behind the defender and resulting in a really, really high-level chance. And that's something that we don't have a whole lot of at the moment. I think when you sign players in the position Charlotte are in currently, you are looking for the stuff, OK, what are we getting that we don't have so much of? And that that we just saw there is is a massive example of that. And I think that's going to be a massive benefit for someone in particular, uh, Perwin Vargas going in behind so, and uh, Mackenzie Gaines when he is playing. So a good question for you here is because you have watched the Scottish League, how would you sort of compare the Scottish League to MLS? Like the level of, of player that he is faced up against here, is he going to be experiencing... You know, maybe more pressure, more physical. Is he going to be experiencing a little bit more time on the ball? You know, how would you compare the two? It's uh, it's it's an interesting question because it kind of has quite layered contexts. Whereby, if you're talking about Celtic and Rangers, uh, Celtic and Rangers are better than your average MLS team, but the Scottish Premier League in general, um, I would say, the general level of the MLS might just be a bit higher than the general level of the Scottish Premier League. But within that context, because Celtic and Rangers are, are, are so much better than those other SPL teams, how are other teams going to play against them? They're going to play very defensive, going to get into low mid blocks, and that's going to affect the way our field's, our field's game is 
you know, how much space he's playing in, playing forward, not getting pressured in certain situations. Whereas coming and playing for Charlotte, a team who are probably better than your average SPL team, or at least at a similar level, but Charlotte themselves are not as good as Rangers. He yep. will be playing in different contexts and, and different game scenarios, different game states that he'd be used uh, than the ones he'd be used to uh, playing for Rangers. That doesn't mean he won't be used to them at all, because one thing to say is he's an experienced player who also has a history of playing uh, in England uh, with Huddersfield and Burnley. Um, he, so he, he understands how to play in other game states. He seems right off the bat like he's very comfortable sort of at the top of the attacking box. He seems like he likes that sort of quick touch interconnected passing. Uh, I do think. Yeah, do 100%. Think what we see out of him so far, because this is best action. This this doesn't show his his mistakes. This is just what he's done really well, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's still a good, it and, still gives you a good idea of what, okay, if this guy is working, if we're getting the best out of him, this is what it looks like. Um, yeah, I, I will probably be interested to, if he's going to play in the midfield for us, you know, one of my questions is, is this guy an Ashley Westwood backup? Is he an improvement on Ashley Westwood? Is he a Brant Bronico? Oh, that was quite nice. Um, yeah. That ball <laughs> up that right wing. I quite liked that. I can think of a couple people in Charlotte FC who would enjoy a ball up the wing like that. Um, and that was also... He's just gone from 30 yards. Yeah. yeah, he's just hit one from very, very far away in, in the sort of, uh, well, in the sort of highlight reel that you keep on your life. Uh, yeah. So we can, we know he can strike from outside the box at least, but is this guy kind of that that right sided, maybe slightly more progressed? I say that we have just technically played a game in which Ashley Westwood played quite deep, but that Westwood role, or is he you know going to end up more in the Brant Bronico catch all? And so far, I've only really seen offensive things from him. Yeah, I um. When when this signing was kind of first rumoured, I tweeted out some thoughts on this, um, saying that ideally, uh, and he's just scored from uh, thirty yards again. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, that, he's got a right <laughs> foot from range. That is fair to say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, I I, I I kind of gave out my thoughts that the best role for him uh, in Charlotte's team, and this was off the back of um, Charlotte's game against who is it that we uh just trying to see my memory here now um for the uh for the three all it was uh i don't want to get it wrong it's just the international break is kind of uh messing with me yeah the three all uh three all against seattle um off the uh off the back of that game i said the best outfield role in that midfield with Derek jones playing like that ashley westwood playing like that and ben bender playing like that the role best suited to him is the ben bender one Playing at yeah. the highest point of a uh, of, of a midfield three, um, and obviously we're talking now in the context of Ben Bender having two goals uh, against the New York Red yeah. Bulls, but so ben it might have just put yeah. together the performance of <laughs> yeah. his life. Yeah, um, so it might it, it might um, people might disagree with this due to the timing of it, but I think Scott uh, Scott Arfield would be better at that role, and I think it offers a higher technical floor, and he'd be a little smarter in the press because I think even against the New York Red Bulls last night, you kind of see. Uh, ben Bender is an energetic player, but not exactly the smartest presser. Really smart in possession player. Still got uh, some stuff to learn out of possession. Whereas Scott Arfield's kind of seen it all and and done it all as far as pressing structures, playing in different contexts. So, so I think that's an immediate kind of upgrade, even if that does seem harsh because of the timing at which we're discussing this. 
So something that does not inspire me is if you look at his best actions playlist, one, it's not super deep. We got through the whole thing very quickly. It's 18 videos. And it's not like this is a kid who hasn't had any time under the camera to build up a, a high profile. It's also a guy who has been playing for a relatively high profile team in Rangers. Um, you know, like you said, there's really two teams in the Scottish League. It's the the Celtics and the Rangers. This is somebody who cameras have probably been on this guy. The fact that I have, what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven videos from 2020. And I have six, four videos from 2021 and two from 2022. Not super inspiring. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it does kind of strike me as a guy who maybe is a very stable, solid midfielder who's got magic in his boots every now and then. Would you, would you say that seems fair? Um, I think, I think what might have happened with those best actions is that they really have kind of had a strict um, floor at, at what gets on there because if you just look at his general output since he's, uh, since he's moved to Rangers, and obviously this is kind of basic level analysis, just going through the goals and assists, but if you wanted to just put all his goals and assists on a best actions reel, you could. And um, they are uh, he's, he's played for Rangers for five seasons. It goes 11 goals, six assists, five goals, two assists, four goals, five assists. Uh, four goals, no assists, five goals, one assist. With the minutes kind of generally coming down uh, as we go there, he had uh, five goals and one assist in SPL uh, in the SPL last season. Um, and that was in 1,056 minutes. So generally the per 90s for the output are still pretty good. So in the best actions, they could just kind of put all that stuff in there. Um, but it seems like we're clearing a low bar with this. Um, as, as far as what you, the general analysis there of him kind of seeming like a pretty ready-to-play, pretty steady uh, player, I do think that that is what um, what this signing represents. And it kind of continues a theme of we understand the uh, kind of off-the-field issues that happened once the season started. And that was quickly, um, a quick response to that was kind of bringing in Justin Merrim, a yeah. MLS veteran player. Um, a good uh, uh, a good dressing room presence um, who has, I think, probably over, uh, overwhelmed most people uh, in terms of what he's actually done on the pitch, but there was definitely an influence of what he could do off the pitch um, that influenced that signing, uh, especially at the time and the context we were in with what was going on. And this kind of seems to be a, uh, maybe a continuation of that, bringing in more experience into the dressing room of what was once quite an inexperienced and young team Um I think that's another big part of this. It's another leader in a team that I think really needs a leader. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick the next playlist and I'm going to ask you to pick the one after that. I'm going to pick the accelerations playlist and here's why. I hope it's really short. I hope, I hope we get like one video of him blasting by people because <laughs> I, it, I didn't see a lot of him relying on like really high pace, quick, you know, uh, jerky movements in order to succeed. And I really don't want to, if he's going to be at Charlotte FC, I don't think we need to be looking at 34 year old speed merchants, right? Like there, there comes a point at which time catches us all. Even if he's still got a little bit of speed, I would much rather see a player who feels like their, their technical floor is quite high 
And I'm, I'm hoping that when I pick, click on this accelerations button, we get like three videos. No, we're going to get more than that. We're going to get a fair few. Um, I think I'm just <laughs> going to let, let these run though. And that way they'll get through them relatively quickly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even sure I would call that an acceleration. No, that, some that was... of this set, <laughs> some of this stuff is, uh, is, is sometimes quite strangely classified. Um, but on the, uh, on the general point of what you're saying, uh, in terms of acceleration, if, if you're thinking of him as a, uh, as say a pace merchant, uh, that that's something that's never really been his game. Um, but on a similar note, what he has as a quality is a really good engine. Um, yep. He is to use quite a lazy comparison uh, for people who uh, keep up with the Premier League. It's it's kind of James Milner esque, like never someone you would associate with being fast, lightning pace, um, especially not for kind of the last five six years of his career. But there's an engine there. There's a there's a constantness about it. If, if there's a if there's a duel uh, with going to try and get the ball, he has an engine and a decent base level of pace as to where he's going to be able to effectively do that. And I think that's going to matter a lot for our press. I think our press yep. can often kind of slow down later in games when we need it to. Um, we don't play in a whole load of game states where we're still pressing quite late in games. Um, but you know, he's someone who will be able to do that. You know what I like about him watching this is that he receives the ball with his head up. He kind of he kind of watches the ball come to him, but you can see him scan the field before he is receiving a pass, and he's usually running into like a good position before he receives the pass, and then he just sort of takes that momentum and acceleration he already has. While while bringing the ball under control, and I kind of like it. Yeah, he he's, and, and this is kind of something that we miss from our team in deeper midfield, because um, this is something, and this isn't a direct position comparison, but it's almost something that you wish uh, Derek Jones had a little more of, even though we uh, we we miss him a lot when he's not in the team for the a lot of the out of possession stuff. Just the idea of being able to scan really well and then kind of turn on the ball, play on the half turn as a uh, as a deeper midfielder. Um, it's not something we see a lot in our current team and it's something that you see from our field in these clips even if he's not playing as a six in those moments where he finds himself deeper in the field kind of collecting the ball from fullbacks and driving it forward uh, understanding that someone's going to kind of cover for him yep. uh, it's it's again we say about players being experienced it brings a lot of leadership uh, for them to bring those guys in but they also just kind of understand um, those kind of areas, what to do. They understand how important scanning is. They understand how important um, when a team is sitting back, what actually just driving the ball can do if they allow you to do it. It, it forces, it provokes the other team. It opens space up for other guys. It's it, it, it's just really valuable to have people who, regardless of what their, you know, if their technical flaw maybe drops off a little bit with age or if their athleticism drops off with age, whatever it may be, guys who kind of understand exactly what to do in certain scenarios and you're seeing a lot of that here. Just he's understanding when to drive with the ball. Uh, he's understanding when the right time to pass is. He's getting into situations I, where he's crowded and understands if I just keep carrying it, something's going to happen. And if I carry it at a certain pace, other players will be able to catch up with me and then option, there will be options. Yeah, you change, you change the picture you're looking at by carrying the ball up the field. I will say, I think he's getting a lot of space in some of these. And I don't know, you know, like you said, if there's a big drop off between kind of the general league and Rangers, but in this particular league or in these clips we're seeing here, 
there don't seem to be a lot of players who want to go dive at him. There seem to be a lot of people giving him respect in space. And I am interested to know whether he will get that same respect in space in the MLS. Uh, I'll be honest, the way people have been pressing Charlotte, I don't think they will. How about you? <laughs> yeah, that's the important context with this, with playing for Rangers and then being a, a, a much higher level above um, the rest of the uh, the SPL, other than uh, other than Celtic. They just they play in these games where so much space. I mean, this is one against Celtic here, and I mean, they're just they're, <laughs> the space was was it's down here as as uh, as one of these clips, but you, you understand that in the clip there is a man playing ahead of him and kind of cutting off that space um, so that he, it doesn't look similar to the other clips so much. Um, yeah. I definitely think that's important with him, him coming to uh, him coming to Charlotte. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a completely different picture. But then again, that, that just goes back to uh, the fact that he has, you know, he's played for Burnley. He's played for Huddersfield. He understands what it is like to play in situations where there is pressure um, yeah. on the ball. And he's got both a left and right foot. He he is left footed, but he can hit it off of his right. And, yeah. and that alone, I mean, it's kind of what you expect. It's almost like the going rate for any pro footballer now. You have to be able to you have to be decent off both feet. But, oh, it, it seems like it, it seems like it should be the standard. But when you when you watch certain midfield players, like you can, you can tell the difference between guys who really feel comfortable playing with their weaker foot and guys who don't quite have that amber pedality and really function it onto um onto their stronger foot. Um you see it with Awful um when he plays in the midfield, uh, when he inverts and, and when he comes on into midfield. He is someone who would, you know, <laughs> who would rather refunction his entire kind of body shape in the in the situation he's in. Uh, to use his right foot rather than just use his left, so that that's an example there, and that's again that's an experienced footballer, uh, just like Arfield. Yep. Um, one of the things that I do think I could potentially see, you know, we said we weren't really going to talk about it because we'll talk about it later. But one of the reason, one of the ways New York Red Bull really got to us is they pressed us hard and they made us play fast. They forced Charlotte FC to hit one touch passes, really be willing to hit the ball on the move speedy zipping the ball across the ground back and forth to each other they said if you're going to beat us you're have to going to do it you're going to have to do it at a really high speed and just right off the bat this looks like a guy who wouldn't be who would not be overwhelmed by that speed as we kind of saw charlotte have issues with uh against the red bulls he seems like he's willing to sort of zing a ball to people and also willing to to take the ball that's been zinged at him. I think I have seen enough out of this one, Ewan. Do you want to pick the the next playlist over here for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just um, yeah get a look at these. Uh, you could do his goals, could... but that feels boring, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, the thing everybody yeah. wants to know. <laughs> um, I think off ball movements. Would be Ooh, interesting. You want to get really into the weeds. <laughs> you know what? I think I, I said think I was going to let you pick one. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll pick it, and there'll be two clips in here. Oh, there's a decent <laughs> amount. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think if if he is going to play a role uh, that I think he will uh, in that Ben Bender role, Ben Bender, one of his strengths is that kind of movement when we're in possession off the ball. Um, so I, I suppose it'd be quite fitting. So we'll we'll see what he's got here. 
I'll be honest, I don't see him in the bender role. I mean, I, not that I don't think he could do it. Not that I don't think he has the ability. I just, I see him wanting to come on from the right and move into the interior of the pitch. And there is an element about that that is where Ashley Westwood is currently sitting. Um, now, you know, anybody can change. If you look at this guy's heat map, it's literally everywhere. <laughs> most most people's heat maps, it's like the green field and two spaces have been turned completely red via heat. His is just like a dull blue across the entire field. So yeah. he gets around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say I think that that Ben Bender role uh, would be the best specific role for him. Uh, but at the same time, I, I mentioned the, the versatility. So it's like you mentioned there, that heat map could end up being all over the place when he ends up um, playing for uh, okay. uh, playing for us. It could be some stuff on the right side. It could be some stuff in that Bender role. He could be filling in when maybe there's a suspension to a Bronico or a Westwood. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to put money down on this now. Are you betting either A, that he comes in and plays left back for us, <laughs> or B... <laughs> well, I guess it's just either does he or does he not. What do you think the odds are he's our left back? <laughs> um, I mean, oh God, I mean, this, uh... this sounds terrible. That's because it is terrible. It's a terrible idea. It's terrible. We should not be playing this guy at left back. It's not the correct thing to do. But if Christian Latanzio wanted to invert his fullback into that sort of uh, Alexander Zinchenko you know, uh, left back moving up into the midfield and holding that defensive mid role. He does kind of fit that profile. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, yeah, he's again, versatility. There's, there's plenty of, uh, of, of profiles that he makes sense in, uh, which is why it's going to be pretty interesting to, to see what actually happens when, uh, when we do get him in the uh in the lineup in terms of if anyone's kind of interested in what that could be like and how he could do in that role that you mentioned there that playing left back but in possession coming into midfield um i, I would recommend that people if if they if they're able to to watch uh rangers versus ajax uh in the uh, in the champions league of last season um, that okay. i think game happened in uh, early november because i believe rangers are playing uh, 4231 and he's in the two He's playing in the two of that, and um, he's played in that. He's played in that position before for Rangers. That four-two-three-one, where he is part of the two, and uh, kind of, you know, what you're saying there. Similarly, where the left back will come inside. But I bring up that game in particular because of what I say earlier about um, the SPL. Like, will it be that useful to watch him in that role against a team sitting back, low block, and him kind of being able to play further up than a player would in that role for Charlotte? I think Ajax. Because you hear Ajax and, and, you know, obviously they're a big club, but they were a bit of a disaster at this stage. And uh, they win the game 3-1, but it was a, a little more even than that uh, than that would indicate. So I think if you, if you want to kind of learn what that would look like, that would be an interesting game to watch. I do get what you're saying in terms of him potentially playing that role. Um, I just wonder if in negotiations of this uh, signing, there was more of a conversation about, okay, well, if I'm signing uh, here and, and making this much of a commitment, kind of moving my moving my family potentially over and then everything like that, you, you wonder if there are certain guarantees about, okay, well, I better be kind of playing the positions I want to play. I mean, I'll be a team player and if there's a, a squad crisis, I'll go fit in there. But 
I want to play these positions. I want to play in the midfield, and I want to play in in, in midfield with um, with uh, what we should bring up is his uh, former teammate in uh, Burnley, Ashley Westwood, um, yeah. who probably played some role in uh, in this signing. You have to imagine they they communicated at some stage. Yeah, some, uh, some, somebody out there said, "Hey, I know a guy." And there's a reasonable chance it was Ashley. One of the things that I kind of like watching this, you know, these clips we're going through here in uh, his off the ball movement is he does not move to the player. He moves to the space. And I think that's one of the, the challenges that that's there in MLS is there's a lot of people who still, who still move to where they feel like they can support a player but they're not actually creating a better picture for the team. Yeah. This guy moves to the better picture, right? And sometimes the ball is not necessarily super easy to hit. You know, sometimes he's asking a lot of the, whoever's got the ball to get the ball to him. Yeah. But most of the time you can see he's thinking about what he's going to do with the ball once he receives it, not, Oh, Hey, can I take pressure off my teammate? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Are we are we all right to kind of go a clip back here? By the way, um, oh yeah, absolutely. So there's the one before this, um, this one, and the, uh, the one uh, the one before that, and then I just kind of let this develop. I try and see if it's this one or it, it may be one more. I think it's the, the one before this, I believe. Or I think I'm getting this mixed up now. If we just let these play, then it'll eventually come to it, and I can yeah. I can kind of mention it when it gets there. Um, That's but uh, what 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 you say there is is pretty much spot on in terms of him moving into space, having those smarts and, you know, re reframing the picture um, of, of the, the context on the field. And so, that's, that's kind of where the Ben Bender thing comes from because that's his best skill is, yeah. is that, is that re is the idea that he can get into smart areas. Like how many times has Ben Bender taken more than one touch and then pass or one touch and then shot or a first time shot or a first time pass for an assist. It's all, yeah his output comes from the fact that he gets into smart positions and then the actual action is kind of simple because of how smart what he's done, uh, uh, how how smart what he's done, how easy that makes his role. This here, that run, that's perfect. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's Ben Bender all over. Run. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. That's that's the Ben that's the Ben Bender role. That's that's what I that was the clip I had in mind. Th- third man run. But in that position we spoke about earlier, he was able to detect um, a third man run from a player. Uh, and play that pass because he'd seen it coming. And then there we see him make a third man run. That's why I think the Ben Bender role makes sense because I think he's a really smart player who in the final third will do the right things all the time and have a higher technical flaw uh, yep. to be able to make those result in assists and result in goals. And like you say, you, you, you said you, you don't see it so much. And to be honest, I, I, I get that. I get that you could see him in, in, in other roles um, because that's the versatility, um, but that's just I think he would be best for us in that role, and I can be moved off that spot uh, the more info we get. But that's kind of where I'm at now with it. I kind of see him as like a hybrid between Bender and Bronico, um, the the BB twenty eight, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it, he's got that movement up and down the field like Bronico. I think his passing is significantly better than Brant's. Um, he is he showed he is capable of hitting a a long ball with pace. You know he can really zip it to his teammates. Uh, he's capable of playing that little quick one touch uh, 
tap ball between players. Uh, I'll be honest, I wasn't super excited coming into this, and I think I'm getting a little more excited. Obviously, it, the opposition matters. He's getting a fair amount of time in a lot of these clips. But I like his off-the-ball movement. It's better than I thought it was, and it, for me, inspires the look of this is a guy who can play through you know the defensive the middle and the offensive third of the field and i'm not worried are you are you happy with what you've seen here you want to try and do one more for time's sake and then we'll move on yeah 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 happy to uh happy to go with one more um let's do um man i feel like i want to see smart passes but there's a part of me that also wants to see fouls. Uh, what do you think? Smart passes <laughs> or fouls? I think fouls would be interesting because that might just show some general pressing because there's not a, uh, as far as I can, there's not a pressure or a pressures or pressing. Um, no, I could probably build a custom report, but that might be for, for one of the later <laughs> episodes. Yeah. F- fouls might be the best way of getting the nearest thing. Um, well, so. and on top of that, I, I think we'll kind of get to see where he's coming from here because like Enzo Capetti, who is coming from a place where he could buy fouls, um, you know, he's not getting away with it the same way in, in the MLS. So I'm, I'm I'm curious where the foul is here. Oh no, that that's a foul. That's just going (laughs) through the back of a player with no intention to hit the ball. That's, that's a foul. (laughs) Logan, this is this is this is Scottish football. We've watched some highlights before this, but this is Scottish football. <laughs> what, what Scottish football really is is getting down in the dirt. So he's literally is, just on the exact is, same. Is, yeah, I was going to say these are all from the same game. <laughs> he's just gone through the the back of probably the same player in the same game in the exact same way. No intention to get the ball. Just clearly, kind of one of those uh, one of those old, yeah, very Burnley. Um, <laughs> like, hey, I'm just going to hit you and let you know that I'm here and I'm not yeah. going to hurt you, but you are going to learn that every time you get the ball, you end up on the ground. Yeah, this is... Uh, Actually, this I'm is... not sure that one was a foul. No, I think you might have a case. It's his first one where I think he does. <laughs> it's the first one where I think he, he just went for skill there. Yeah, he gets the ball here and then it turns into a foul. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's just a bad touch on his part. And I guess we haven't yeah. really seen his his. I was going to say, this, this, is, this is giving us a, a bit more balance, I suppose, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, in terms of going against the uh, just the, the best of what he's got to offer. Well, that's um, why I kind of wanted to pick something that was, you know, did have the potential for the negative side because highlight reels and scouting is terrible about, about this. They show you what they're good at, right? They show you the times it went well. They don't show you the times it went poorly. And if you look at a highlight reel of Ben Bender, Ben Bender looks like a spectacular player. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, I mean, yeah, his general output uh, highlights... I mean, yeah, just take the two goals last night. <laughs> it's, um, you watch those, you're like, why would anyone ever want to replace this guy in a team? Um, but then you kind of you get you get the full spill of everything else, and yeah, it's 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 about uh, creating a full kind of idea of the guy. And obviously, I've I've watched uh, quite a lot of, of, of Scott Arfield from uh, from watching general football, and yeah, have a decent idea of of who he is as a player and what he'll be. Uh, especially the fact that he's this stage in his career, it, it, you don't imagine there's anything that would take you by surprise if you're pretty familiar with him at this stage. Um, is this against Napoli? No. Yeah, that's no, quite. This is Champions bit. League, isn't it? Yeah, this is Champions League against Napoli. That was a pretty. Uh, that was a that was a pretty good tackle. Um, <laughs> it was. He went. He went through that one. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, that's, yeah. that's somebody looking for a foul that got a foul. I haven't seen anything in this that makes me think he's dangerous. You know, I haven't seen recklessness. No, um, he plays he plays with an engine, and sometimes if you overrun that, you can get those kind of fouls. But, um, I mean, that, that's that, just kind of... That, that was a smart booking. Is what I was going to say, was. yeah, that's a that's a good foul. That's a good foul. We don't, we actually don't have too many players. Uh, Charlotte don't have too many players who make uh, good fouls. Uh, Nathan Bird had a really really good one last night, <laughs> but in general, um, we we don't so much. So yeah, that's uh, that's good to see. Yeah, if I have any concern about him, it's the concern I have about a lot of older players, and that is because he doesn't really have a huge top speed. He does kind of get beat to things and then he ends up in stuff late uh but that's not exactly groundbreaking and you know analytics there no oh, that was shoulder it, to shoulder let him play ref um. <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff in here you kind of realize in in football how many fouls you know they are fouls but they they all feel a little bit kind of yeah you know yeah, they're, a little they're, bit they're very touchy i yeah I, what i was concerned about is that i might start seeing him you know, like intentionally go studs up through people. And I have, I have not. <laughs> oh, hang on. Speak of the oh, devil. Wait a minute. <laughs> that wasn't studs up. It was a little reckless, no. but it wasn't studs up. No. Um, it was intended to get the ball. He just didn't get there fast enough, which I mean, yeah. is a problem that could be exasperated by, by age. Right. If, if he's got that mentality of I'm going to get the ball, I'm going in and I will go to ground to do it. If he gets, if he loses a step, against faster players he's going to start taking ankles instead of the ball and uh, we just saw an example of that got yeah. got there a little bit late had the momentum ball got clipped away took out somebody's ankles so yeah something to be concerned about we're looking at yeah these are all things from uh 2022 so these are pretty recent yeah again this is napoli uh, yeah champions, is league. champions league yeah that also felt like potentially a smart foul. <laughs> yeah. That felt yeah, like, get... I, oh no, I've tripped into the back of this player and suddenly they cannot uh, counterattack us anymore. Here we go. This is the old firm. Uh, okay, that one was pretty, that was pretty ugly. Old old firm being uh, Rangers versus Celtic, by the way, for, uh, for, for uh, okay. those so who may not if, know. If there's a little extra heat on that particular challenge, we know why. Uh, this yeah. appears to be a game in like just a regular park. <laughs> just like an average standard everyday yeah this might have a european uh this might have a european football uh, uh pre-season date on it maybe that game happened in, uh, in in july yeah um they just went sort of down to the local park and and put <laughs> put a football match together very five aside uh, yeah i mean this in general this is uh, and i say there what what role i think he would be best in slash what role i think he will play for us i am quite genuinely uh, genuinely fascinated to see where he does play and if it's a case of him coming straight into the side uh, or, or if he will kind of be bedded in as a substitute and, and kind of have to earn his place, what, what that arrangement uh, will be. It'll be interesting to see how it, how it develops. He seems feisty. Um, not horribly feisty. I will say, and I think we'll have to wrap it up with this. I think there's an element of Crystal Latanzio building the club, not the team here. I don't know. I wish I could sit down with Latanzio and get him to actually answer me things, not just ask him questions that he can give me immediate answer to. <laughs> I wish I could sit down with him and say, it seems like you're kind of building two teams. You're building one team that is established and is 
I'm not going to say won't go against you, but kind of, kind of brings the culture that uh, we want to see at Charlotte FC and is quite old. They're uh, kind of, kind of people who can come in and set the bedrock, set the foundation, set the culture, set the ideas behind the club. And even if they can't necessarily perform it, they can then be the guys who lead this younger generation of talent. I mean, we got a lot of young guys, you know, Ben Bender, Hamidi Diop, uh, Vicinius Mello, Kerwin Vargas, uh, uh, Dielsen Melanda, who we always forget is like 21 years old. Um, we got a lot of young kids in this team. And so I wonder if this is Christian Latanzio saying, look, I don't necessarily need the team to be great right now. I need the team to become a team. I need us to get the foundation here so that these kids have a chance to grow into the team I'm trying to build. Thoughts thoughts on that, Ewan? Yeah, I mean, just to add to the uh, the the players uh, remembering how young they are, uh, Kerwin Vargas is, is 21, <laughs> which yep. is... Um, yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's younger than Ben Bender, which I think if you ask people which way around that was, who's younger, they would. Most people would probably, yeah, put it the other way around. But yeah, plenty of young guys in this team. Um, I do think that there is a, like I mentioned, a big emphasis on on bringing in experienced guys and and letting culture be developed through them, letting them kind of set the standard, which I think sounds like a really boring and not fun and. Uh, you know, thing to talk about. But I do think it really matters. I do think it matters a lot to have players setting the standard in this way. And him and and, and Ashley Westwood and and Justin Merrim's there now. And obviously Harrison Offal sets the standard and seems to be a pretty popular guy. I, I think it matters to have those those players. And especially matters because Christian, uh, Christian Latanzio has now, I think he probably came up to his anniversary of, of being... Uh, the head coach of the team. It's somewhere like, around there. I don't have it exactly, but it's somewhere around there. Yeah, roughly kind of. I, I think is um, it was it was New York Red Bulls last year away that he was the first, or was it at home? It was uh, New York yeah, Red Bulls. Yeah, two 0 no, no win at home uh, was yep. his was his first game, I believe. Yep. Uh, and we were all waving the Christian Latanzio flag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that's about enough of that. He looks tidy. He looks experienced. He looks like an old hand who's probably going to do the stuff we know. An old hand. I think you are right in saying he seems like a floor raiser type of guy, uh, and hopefully does well for Charlotte FC because obviously once they put on once they put on the shirt, we want them to be world beaters. Yeah, um, hundred percent, hundred percent. If I'm able to just kind of add just one last uh, thing on it, um, Charlotte have conceded the most goals in. MLS so far this season, I believe. And if you're kind of divvying up the blame pie of that, I think a big slice goes to um, goes to out of possession pressing uh, structure and general kind of rest defense. How we structure in that way. Got Arfield coming in. Um, say it's for Ben Bender, uh, just uh, as a as a for argument's sake. Um, uh, him just being in the side will raise the floor of our pressing and general out of possession structure. Massively, in my opinion, I think it's really going to help in that department, which is not a cool or or, or a particularly fun thing, I suppose, to say about a uh, midfielder who might be quite attacking. But I do think it'll really make a difference in that department. Yeah, uh, I am going to go ahead and cut us off for that one. Uh, I'm going to say really quick congratulations to uh, the United States men's national team for winning an actual trophy, something that you can pick up and lift and you get uh, a trophy of 
uh, obviously went on and did uh, were victorious in the Nations League, really dominant in the Nations League. And there will be people who argue that that's just a bunch of international friendlies. But you know what? They won a trophy. I hope that they go out there and celebrate as many of them have, if you have not seen the video of Christian Pulisic getting uh, thrown across the board, uh, the the floor like a bowling ball, I would encourage you to go find it because it's it's quite special. I am going to basically leave it at that, though, because we're already 45 minutes in and I would like to get to a look ahead to Montreal. So, uh, Ewan, do you want to talk to us about uh, Montreal and who will be playing next? Yeah, yeah, I think... Um... I think the best way to kind of speak about Montreal is to uh, is is to give it a direct link to how that game could look um, against Charlotte, and uh, what you get from Montreal is a team that is pretty happy uh, to play quite not defensive, not well quite quite defensive, sat back and play on the counter. Um, uh, with the benefit of that being that they have two strikers in uh, in Sunasi Ibrahim uh, on the right side, and then in uh, Mason Toy, I believe it's pronounced, uh, on the left side, who are really good in individual duels, uh, very quick. The idea being that if they can kind of sit back, soak up pressure, play on the counter, get the ball into space to those guys, that's going to be really dangerous. Uh, compare that with or, or put it up against this Charlotte team that in dual situations, their defenders have not been great. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's and, and yeah, you, you kind of no, get where I'm going I'm not, with. I'm not inspired by what you've said so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and I mean, we're, we're talking about from the perspective of, of Montreal, how they'd be looking to go at us. So I suppose it will come across as a little bit, you know, Best case scenario, who knows how it'll play out. But that is what I think the main threat in this game will be. Those two guys up front for Montreal getting into those duels against those Charlotte defenders. Uh, we saw Carujo go off um, with a little bit of an injury. We don't know how serious that is, I don't think. Has there been anything said? Uh, whether I, that's a, a knock? I didn't see it. I actually didn't think it was a knock. I thought it was just him. I, I'll be really honest with you. I don't think he was ready to play. I don't think he was physically fit enough to play, and I think they shoehorned him in to cover for Derek Jones. Um, we can talk more about that at another time, but uh, I, I don't think he was ready. I think he he needs a little bit more time to fitness. I think they just said, hey, we need to get this guy off before he really does hurt himself. But I yeah, could have missed yeah. it. If he's hurt, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to false report the news. I'm just being very optimistic and hoping that he's not hurt again. Yeah. Yeah, the will. Yeah, we'll obviously have to kind of wait and see for uh, for that matchup. But but like you say, um, recovering from an ACL is obviously a very difficult thing to do. It, it's not just that you kind of do the rehab and then you get get back into uh, match playing shape and match playing fitness and and get the thumbs up from the doctors and everything like that. Then you come back and have to kind of get back in the flow of things. And Carujo's uh, strong suit as a defender already wasn't exactly kind of ground jewels in space. So to be to be dealing with that coming off a, a major, a major surgery and the recovery of that in this uh, in this situation against Montreal would uh, would not be ideal. But I would say just within you know the discussion of that, saying they'll want to play quite defensive, they'll want to play on the counter, they'll want to get that space. Um, the counterpoint to that tactically for Charlotte would be to kind of lay off the possession a little bit, 
allow the opposition to have the ball a bit more if that's not ideally what they want to do kind of you know give them the ball see what they can do with it kind of thing if you if they really want to play on the counter attack which is what you see teams often do it's teams that uh, against teams that they know just you know they want to play in space want to play on the counter so is there a possibility of Charlotte doing that well the problem with that in my opinion is that one well we are generally a team that looks to try and be possession dominant but also uh, Montreal away from home this season are generally a, a, a pretty pretty bad team. They have four points from ten away games, which is is obviously awful and something which should uh, raise, you know, sh- should encourage for a result. And I'd still think overall it should. But the way that lends into how Charlotte will approach this game, I do think that they will want to dominate the game possession-wise, and play most of it within Montreal's half. And will that will that feed into their what they will want to do? What I kind of my idea of what they'll want to do from 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 checking out uh, some game film of them. I think it will. But will they be good enough to make it count? <laughs> is ultimately is ultimately the question there. So it's uh, that that's how I see the game set up tactics-wise. That'll be the first thing that I will be wanting to to figure out in the first, say, 10, 15 minutes, like how much are Montreal kind of sitting back wanting to play on the counter and how much are Charlotte ready to play into that and bring their team up the field and bring the defensive line a little higher. That, for me, will be the main focus when we see um, how the two coaches approach the game uh, in this one. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be an interesting one because, like you say, they're quite um, open on the road. They've they've given up a lot of points. Uh, at the same time, their last game, they just won 0 to Nashville. Now, admittedly, they just won 0 to Nashville at home. But, uh, you know what? Maybe that's good. Maybe that's good for us. Maybe I'm talking circles around it, but maybe they're going to come in overconfident and we can... I, I, yeah, I, I will say, uh, Montreal, the, the, the home away split is, is, is massive. They are fifth in the home table and they are third bottom in the away table. So fifth in the home table, 27th in the away table. And in the home table, they have two games in hand on the uh, on the team who's top. And in the away table, the team who's bottom of that into Miami has two games in hand on Montreal on three points, only one, one point behind. So I think if you average this out, uh, four points per game, it would look even worse for them. So those home those home away splits are, you know, they're, they're, they're something. <laughs> they're, certainly, they're certainly something. Hey, I will take it at this point in time. I do think that uh, we should, we will see Derek Jones back in. It's amazing how quickly that guy has gone from, we don't know where or if this guy fits to, we don't know what to do without him. But I think we will see Derek Jones back in. I think that'll make a big difference, whether that comes at the question of uh, Brant Bronico's position or the, the question of Ben Bender's position, I think probably would have been more of a toss up before that last game. Now, I don't think you can pull Ben Bender out. I think just as a, like a message to the squad, you kind of have to say, look, if you go out there and you're the best player on the field for 70 minutes, you're going to get you're going to get another run out. Um, I will look forward to it. Uh, are we going to have Carol back? I don't think we're going to have Carol back, right? Um, I, I, I wondered about this because um, he didn't play a lot for Poland. 
They had um, they had two games during the international break, I believe, and he was an unused sub in the first one and played about 20, 25 minutes in the second one. So just in terms of his game time, he should come back fairly fresh. Obviously, travel uh, go, uh, from from Poland to Charlotte uh, will be uh, uh, will will be you know something that takes a certain amount of recovery. But I suppose with MLS players, very you kind of get used to that that plane travel in a way that. You know, other players who go on international duty, who don't play common, who don't often play European uh, football uh, in the Champions League or, or Europa League or anything like that. You know, they're, they're not so used to. Um, but yeah, that, that game that he came on in, that second game where he played uh, 20 minutes in, I believe that was on Tuesday. So if you imagine that he came back immediately on the Wednesday uh, and then was kind of home already, you know, on the Thursday as in today, and then trains tomorrow. Yeah, Where that puts him in terms of playing, I think it's probably going to be a case that yeah, I, he, if he's featuring, he'll be on the bench. Yeah, I feel like even, again, Enzo has been out for so long, they're probably going to want to give him some time run in and playing, especially while they have a reason to leave Carroll on the bench. You know, I think it's one thing to look at somebody and be like, well, Carol, you're sitting down because we just need to play Enzo. And I think it's another thing to be like, look, you've just come back. I want you to rest. I want you to, you know, reset, get back into to this side of the world. We'll let Enzo handle this one. And, uh, you know, if Enzo goes out and kills it, he's going to get another shot. But you know, you're next up. We're going to get you back in the rotation. I think that just comes off a lot cleaner. Uh, any final thoughts you want to add on the upcoming uh, game against Montreal? Um, no, I just uh, in the just to add to those um, those stats about Montreal's away form. I just think that context-wise, for for going into this game, it's it, it's absolutely one that Charlotte should win <laughs> because uh, if if you just kind of look at the table and see where the two teams are, you see oh Montreal eighth, Charlotte tenth. Going to be a tough game, and, and Montreal with a game in hand. Yeah, going to be a tough game. Um, you know. One that's definitely winnable, but Montreal are a good side. If you look at those splits, um, it's it, it's hard to say that this isn't a very very eminently winnable game just off the back of that uh, for Charlotte. And on top of that, I mentioned earlier we have conceded the most goals in MLS now. So a clean sheet or at least a solid defensive performance, where if we concede a goal, it's kind of out of structure. Uh, that would be that would be very much appreciated because yeah, some defensive solidity would uh, w- would go a long way for us. Uh, yeah, it at, would, at the moment, it it would do us some good. Um, on that note, we are going to go ahead and wrap it up here just for time. And uh, if you have decided to spend this time with us, we love you. We will, uh, or if you would like to follow us online, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore crown cast on instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast uh and uh we will talk to you again we will talk to you after we go and take our next three points from montreal goodbye queen city podcast network.com